This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the breakfast huddle with Adrian Abraham and Ryan Huang. And coming up, the China perspective, where we'll be talking about chasing common prosperity. According to a Bloomberg report, Chinese President Xi Jinping's use of the term common prosperity surged this year and appoints to the Communist Party of China's commitment to closing the country's yawning wealth gap. The term appeared sporadically in his first eight years in power. Last year, he began to reference common prosperity more often and has picked up the pace. The phrase has appeared 65 times in his speeches and meetings so far this year, compared with 30 in all of last year. But what does this term mean? How much weight does it carry? And how strong is it as a tool to implement the so-called reforms on the Chinese economy? To dig deeper, we have... To turn to Dr. Oe Sun, Senior Fellow at Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Good morning, Doctor. How are you? I'm doing okay. A very good morning to all of you as well. First and foremost, tell us about China's common prosperity. How did this originate and what is the objective? Well, as you mentioned, this term, the common prosperity, has been uh, coming uh, on and off over the past, actually, almost a decade since Xi Jinping uh, took power. But I think last Tuesday, if I remember correctly, during this central financial uh, working meeting, I think it was front and center very prominently mentioned, together with, for example, catchphrases such as adjusting and curbing uh, excessive incomes and so on. So that really sort of raised a lot of people's eyebrows because what China has been doing over the last, shall we say, almost a year has been quite spectacular in terms of, for example, stopping at the last minute certain initial public offerings and so on of uh, large, uh, especially technology corporations. So to what extent this sort of trend of trying to uh, readjust China's income levels is what a lot of people are paying attention to. And the bigger question, why is Xi Jinping doubling down on mentioning the term? You know, what does it signal? A hint at changing policy or justification for recent actions? Well, Deng Xiaoping once said something to the effect of let have a group of people getting rich first, right? Then they could help those who are left behind. But over the past, uh, shall we say, 40 years, indeed, there's a small group of Chinese who have been getting very rich, uh, but perhaps they are more wanting in terms of helping the rest of the Chinese population to get similarly rich. The income level of a large uh, number of China's population, according to its premier, uh, Li Keqiang, last year, was under the 1,000 renminbi, or just over 100 US dollars. So how do you then reach the gap between these sort of income levels, as well as those very flashy tycoons in China? I think, well, China is a communist country. They would like to see a more balanced income here. 
Doctor, the Chinese economy was boomtown for decades, and now it looks as though the government is trying to curb wealth. In fact, the Communist Party's top economic and financial affairs committee last week vowed to reasonably adjust high incomes. Now, why are they worried about a widening income gap, and how did it even get there? Well, number one, as I mentioned, China's reform and opening has enabled quite a lot of entrepreneurs to get quite rich uh, in the in the process. That's why we have some of them even uh, purchasing properties in Singapore and so on. While there is a large group of Chinese who are still struggling with their daily livelihood, and as socialist country, of course the government will have to do something about it, or at least in the opinion. Of the Communist Party, but I think there's also a worry about too much wealth and, by extension, influence and power, especially control over. Nowadays, we are talking very high tech, right? Control over data and and so on in the hands of a small groups of tycoons. So that's why you see tech companies were the ones which were at least targeted in the first wave. Of trying to、uh, have a more well-distributed income. Yeah. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Like us and rate us. And now back to our podcast episode. We're in conversation with Dr. Owe Sun, senior fellow, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Now, we've read reports that Chinese bursaries have halted more than 40 IPOs in Shanghai and Shenzhen amid a regulatory probe into law firms and brokers involved in the deals. Now, this should come as no surprise since China did warn of more clampdowns. What are regulators looking for in these investigations, and what kind of misconduct are these companies being accused of? Well, so far the details are still very scant. But you you see, the previously it was the Chinese regulatory authorities stopping the IPOs of tech companies in foreign bursaries, such as in New York and and so on. But now they are stopping this some of these tech companies to.、Uh, List in the, even China's domestic bursaries such as、uh, Shanghai and、uh, Shenzhen. I think last week they 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 halted in around 30 IPOs in、uh, Shenzhen and about eight in、uh, Shanghai. Now, while we don't quite know exactly what those investigations in, involves, there are separate reports of China regulatory committees, uh, sorry, uh, agencies also launching investigations. Into accounting firms for alleged, for example, forgeries of financial informations and so on. So I could only imagine, you know, these companies targeted just to make sure, at least that、uh, you know the financial data and so on are verified. Yeah, I guess the final question I want to throw your way is: What's the sentiment of the Chinese people towards these regulatory actions and the common prosperity narrative, especially since the rationale for these? Actions were to even out wealth、uh, to what's called an olive-shaped structure, small on both ends and fat in the middle. Well,、uh, I think the Chinese population at large cautiously receptive of these measures because, on the one hand, I think there's a popular sentiment that indeed this sort of excessive concentration of wealth and influence in a small group of tycoons should somehow be、uh, modified. On the other hand, it also entails, for example, 
the Chinese authorities are also clamping down on, well, perhaps not surprising, the tuition industry, huh? namely people having extracurricular sort of helps after the school hours and so on. So Chinese authorities also felt that it creates undue burden because it's quite expensive nowadays on the parents and so on. So, but, you know, China being a country which prides education, so a lot of parents are also ambivalent about not having their kids been able to attend these tuition classes. So I think it's a mixture of optimism, but also caution, yeah. The thoughts of Dr. Oe Sun, Senior Fellow, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us on The Breakfast Huddle this morning. Thank you. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.